You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Jesus uh, goes out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, the wilderness, um, there's nothing there. Uh, you would think that if you wanted to go to a place where you wouldn't be tempted by anything, you'd go into the wilderness. It doesn't say that Jesus went to Las Vegas uh, to be tempted uh, of the devil or uh, wherever that might be. Uh, But in fact, the wilderness is the last place that you would expect to encounter temptation. There are no gaming tables there, no bars, no objects of lust, nothing. Just rock and scrub and nothing. But it's in the wilderness that you're going to find clarity. And most of us spend our lives avoiding the wilderness. The New Yorker some years ago said that people are less likely to take vacation in America, uh, not because they have an over, uh, some sort of overdrive when it comes to work, uh, but because when you're on vacation, it's a sort of wilderness. And it's when you're in the wilderness that you're forced to think about things that really matter in life. When you're bored, sitting on the beach, you start to contemplate things like your own mortality. You start to contemplate your life. Uh, You start to think on those things about yourself that you would rather not think about, which is why I'm not surprised. We were at the beach last summer walking along, and I saw two people on laptops on the beach. We'll do anything to be distracted from actually having to answer and to contemplate those things that are big in our lives. And those are the areas in which we're likely to find temptation. We're forced to think about it when there's nothing to occupy ourselves. That's what happens in the wilderness. I don't know what kind of wildernesses you have, but you need them. You actually need wilderness. Uh, in your life, to contemplate those things, and even to go up and against temptation. When temptation is right in front of you, it's actually a lot easier to say no. When uh, I was uh, engaged to Lauren, we went over to one of her family's houses for, uh, I think it was Christmas, and uh, I was uh, staying in the same room as uh, one of her cousins, and uh, someone that afternoon or that morning had brought in Krispy Kreme donuts hot and ready, right? And, and I, when they were passed to me, I said, oh, no, thank you. And I remember Lauren's grandmother saying, you have the most remarkable willpower. And I said, I know. <laughs> and, well, that night, as I was lying in bed, I was just sort of thinking about things. Lauren and I were engaged to be married, and this is the family I'm married into. And, and I, my mind immediately went to Krispy Kreme donuts, <laughs> that were lying in wait down in the kitchen. And Lauren's cousin was fast asleep, I could tell, in the bed next to me. And so I decided to get out of bed in the middle of the night and to creep downstairs. Not only did I want a Krispy Kreme donut, not only was I succumbing to a minor temptation, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to microwave it. And, uh, and I'll make sure it doesn't beep. So I was waiting for it to get down to the one second to, to, to push stop. And not only that, I said, you know what would be really great on this? A scoop of vanilla ice cream. And so I'm holding the donut 
uh, and for some reason it's hot, but, and I had a paper towel, but I was trying to get the door open, and I, had, I put it in my mouth, and I had the vanilla ice cream in, and as I swung the door closed to the freezer with my foot, I looked, and there was Grandma Dot. <laughs> and she just said, oh, Andrew. <laughs> When they're in front of you, you can recognize the temptation. And you can say, I don't think so. But when you're alone with your thoughts, and especially when no one else is watching, that's when you're most likely to succumb to temptation. The wilderness forces us to see ourselves as we are, and we don't like it. So we avoid it. The other thing about the wilderness is, guess who's there? The devil. That's where the devil is. He's a real person. He's a real entity. And the thing about the devil is the way that he tempts us is it's hard for us to see it for what it is. I mean, look at the way that he tempts Jesus. How does he tempt Jesus? If you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And then He said, All these I will give to you at these kingdoms of the world, if you fall down and worship Me. Do you notice that? The things that the devil is tempting Jesus with don't seem that outlandish. If you're hungry, you should turn these stones into bread. You know, if, if you're the son of God, you can just sort of go for it and, and you'll be rescued by the angels. And you see all these kingdoms? They're, they're kind of yours anyway. Just bow down and worship to me and, and I'll give them to you now. These are things that are not readily apparent as awful temptations. And to make matters worse, what does the devil do? He quotes scripture. Temptation is a legitimate desire obtained by illegitimate means. Do you see, all of these things in and of themselves aren't necessarily that bad. Is it wrong to be hungry and to want to eat? Is it wrong to want to put yourself in the care of God? Is it wrong to want to have ambition and to actually have some sense of authority in order to impact the lives of others? No, but the way that the devil tempts Jesus and tempts you and me is he does it by saying, here are legitimate things that you can get by illegitimate desires. So for instance... You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting security. Surely, God wants you to be secure, especially financially. But here's this bag of money that somebody's dropped on the roadway. Maybe God has actually dropped it there for you. You should simply take it up and, 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 and claim it as your own, for that's, that's what God wants for your life. Or... You know, absolutely, you need to know what it means to have intimacy with, with other people and to be in close relationship and to know what, what life is like to live together. So surely God would want you to have this relationship with this other person. 
because in it is even demonstrated those things that you could even say are of God. Uh, and, uh, a love that is without condition. Surely this is what God wants in your life. A legitimate desire obtained by illegitimate means. It's devious, isn't it? It's devilish. The way that the devil tempts Jesus and the way that he tempts you and me. And as I said before, worse yet, he uses the Bible. Let's face facts. The devil knows the Bible better than you and I do. He just does. And often the Bible will use the Bible to justify sin. Whether it's even something as insidious as this. Well, I know that the Bible says this, but doesn't it also say... I mean, this is what happened in the Garden of Eden, didn't it, in Genesis? Did God really say? So anytime we begin to elevate one area of Scripture over and above any other area of Scripture, we know that we're in trouble. We know that we're in trouble. Or are you the kind of person that says, you know, I'm going to go ahead and succumb to temptation because God's just going to forgive me anyway. And that's a Bible promise. That's where I fall. Taking advantage of God's grace. Because he promises it. And making temptation a small thing and even justifying it. Now, the sources of temptation that we encounter in our lives are different than the way Jesus encounters temptation. Because the only temptation that Jesus faces is from the devil himself. We experience temptation from the devil and from sin, whether that's from within or without. And so, yes, there are going to be times in which the devil is coming to you and trying to tempt you to do something that would pull you away from God and injure your relationship with him. But, you know, sometimes people will come to me and say, you know, I feel like the devil's tempting me. And I'll have to say, uh, actually, that's you. <laughs> right? That, that's your own sin speaking. And so don't go blaming the devil for something that's your own fault. Because actually within us, we have this struggle that Paul talks about in Romans 7 uh, about uh, the flesh and, uh, and also the new life that is within us. And we feel that struggle acutely, especially as Christians. That there is this desire in our heart to actually succumb to temptation and we feel it. These are the thoughts that typically inhabit our heads when we're lying at bed at night that force us at 2 in the morning to go down and get the Krispy Kreme. Now, it may indeed be the devil whispering in your ear, but it may also be your own heart speaking to you in order to justify your own desires. And then finally, we often refer to it as the flesh, but uh, there are other people as well that are going to have an influence over you and try to draw you away from what God would want in your life by tempting you. And so as I've been contemplating on this uh, all week, I've thought, well, rats, <laughs> is there any hope? How can we possibly resist temptation knowing what it is that we're up against? Is there any hope? Or are we simply resigned to failure? Well, a couple passages I would bring to your attention. One is 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 through 14. And I would say 
that just because the devil knows the Bible better than you doesn't mean that you ought not to give yourself over to the study of God's word. Because in Ephesians, Paul tells us that the only offensive weapon that we have is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And in fact, when the devil quotes scripture to Jesus, what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture right back to him. He says, no, no. That's not, that's not what God wants. That's not the, the message of the Bible. And so when people say, well, you know, a verse a day really won't keep the devil away, it turns out it will. It actually will. So let's see what Paul has to say for us in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will always provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So the first step is understanding you are subject to temptation. Own up to it. And if you think, you know what? I can stand up to all of this. Take heed lest you fall. And yet, there's no temptation that you've experienced that's not common to every single one of us. All of us are in the boat, in the same boat together. And so it may be that if you're struggling with a particular temptation, that you need to go to a dear brother or dear sister in the Lord and say, I'm struggling with this. And I'm even succumbing to it. And I need you to help me walk along this path that is so difficult for me to walk. And indeed, in our temptation, Jesus provides a way out for us. Now, it may be, it's always in hindsight that I see it where I'm like, yeah, that was the exit ramp. Right? That, that was the exit ramp for that one. And I kind of knew it at the time, but I thought maybe there'll be another exit ramp right on down the road. But of course, sometimes there is and sometimes there's not. But I think the exit ramp that we're always looking for and is always there is actually the exit ramp of Jesus Christ. You're not left to yourself in temptation. Not only do you have your brothers and your sisters who are experiencing the same kind of temptation as you are, not only do you have the word of God to rely on and to hide yourself in, you have Jesus Christ who is our hiding place extraordinaire. This is what what the author of Hebrews is talking about in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. Hebrews 4, 15, and 16. For we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Did you get that? When you're experiencing temptation, which is sometimes the the point at which we feel our most sinful and we feel our most awful and our most dirty, that that's actually the time the Bible says, go to Jesus. The time when we think, I want to steer clear of him right now. I don't want him to see me. That's the time when you need to run and flee to Jesus as fast and as hard as you can. And there you'll find someone who's not only full of mercy and forgiveness, but knows exactly what you're going through. And you can say, ask, how can that be? 
And we see his temptation in the wilderness. But if you're like me in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's easy for him to say because he's Jesus. Right? He's, he's God the Son, God in the flesh. He can resist the devil. He can resist temptation in a way that I can't resist. But later on, the author of Hebrews says this in chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. So thinking of that also along with the, verse from cha- the verses from chapter 4, Tempted as we are, yet did not sin. I want you to think about struggling with temptation. Who struggled more with temptation? You or Jesus? Think about that for a minute. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, because he's the son of God, this must not be hard for him. But think about the issue of struggle. When you're playing tug of war... Who is it hardest for? The people who actually exert the most and win? Or the people that let go and lose? It's the people who triumph that struggle the most, isn't it? I mean, when I get in a temptation, I'm struggling a little bit, and I say, all right, that's it. But Jesus never let go. So it turns out that his struggle is greater than any struggle that we've ever had. And yet he was able to resist temptation in a way that we're not able to. We've not even begun to struggle to the point of shedding our own blood. And yet that's exactly what Jesus Christ did with us. And so when we encounter temptation, yes, we have the word. Yes, we have our friends. Yes, we have all kinds of other means at our disposal. But the main thing is for us to flee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because even though we have the sword of the spirit, all of the other weapons that Paul talks about in Ephesians are defensive weapons. And if you look closely, what you can hear St. Paul saying is this. Putting on the armor of Christ means placing yourself in him. It doesn't mean being like David who tried to put on Saul's armor and look like an idiot. Right? Have you ever seen kids play dress up and they try to put on their, their parents' clothes? You walk out in the battle like that, forget it. But it's actually to stand in and behind Jesus Christ. And so if you are being tempted, cry out to him, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Because another image that the Bible uses is that of a sheep and a wolf. Now, most of y'all have never had any close encounters with sheep. Uh, Praise God. Uh, I grew up around them, and they're terrible, and they're stupid, and they're awful. But let me tell you, do you know what kind of defensive mechanisms a sheep has? None. Not a one. I've never seen a sheep try to go toe-to-toe with a wolf. And if a sheep did, what would happen? Wolf wins. Wolf wins. What is the recourse of the sheep? Run to the shepherd. Because the shepherd stands between the wolf and the sheep and does battle on the sheep's behalf. Wolf versus sheep, wolf was going to win. Wolf versus shepherd, 
the shepherd drives away the wolf. And so I know that you struggle with temptation in the same way as I do. And as you struggle with temptation, meditate on God's word. Understand what it's saying. Understand that it's trying in your temptation that you're not to do it alone, to get some brothers and sisters around you, to pray with you, to share God's word with you, to walk through you with whatever it is that you're struggling with. But above all, run to Jesus Christ. Seek him. Flee from temptation. Flee to Jesus. If you want to resist the devil, if you want to resist sin, if you want to resist flesh, it's in Jesus Christ and not in your own strength. Let's turn to him now. Oh, Lord, we struggle mightily in our own lives, and we pray that you would draw us close to you. When we think we've got it under control, Lord, that we would take heed lest we fall. And, Lord, that we would find our all in you, understanding that you are a mighty fortress, our hiding place, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.